0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. O, oh, O, oh, O, oh, O'Reilly Auto Parts. Pluto. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Schmoder!
1: Shmoedown fans, welcome to the Shmoedown Rundown, the official after show, the movie trivia Schmodown. My name is Brad Gilmore, but you might know me by another name, you might know me as The Boat. Hashtag best of all time, hashtag Brad's are true, hashtag boat life, hashtag boat, and I'm also here with the man whose travel plans are still somewhat up in the air, but he's going to make his pilgrimage to the West Coast. Are you going to be listening to Kid Rock's Cowboy on the way over? Absolutely not. Oh, wait, wait, hey, don't hate on Cowboy. Cowboy's, uh, it's still a classic I'm not hating on record. Cowboy. It's just still a classic record. Uh, well, anyway, Frank Janis is here.
2: That's right. Uh, and also, how do you remember all of those uh, accolades you've given yourself?
1: Like, the hashtags, the the, hashtag? the, the the hashtags. Repetition, that, my brother. Yeah. It's repetition. You just you
2: know, sit in your room, just you know, hashtag, let's that. Okay. I mean, I, you, know, you read it on a
1: chalkboard, uh, like, uh, you know, Bart Simpson style. A chalkboard? You know? Oh, chalkboard. Bart, Bart okay, Simpson style. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. Um, you probably shout, don't. shout out to my man, Dwayne, who, who always puts the hashtags in the proper order. That's because he's a real one. That's what we call Dwayne. He's a real one. Um, shout out to everybody also who uh, tuned into SEN Live earlier this week, because I might as well get this over with at the top of the show, because Frank Chance, you knew I was going to talk about it. Um, Shout out to everyone who came in, uh, who tuned in to SEN Live when I was on the show and made my announcement that yes, your man is about to be a published author with my new book about the Back to the Future franchise called Back from the Future: A Celebration of the Greatest Time Travel Story Ever Told, and it's available for pre-order right now. You can go to backfromthefuturebook.com, Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, Indiebound. It's all there. And currently, Frank Janish, we're still sitting at number four. I mean, no, not number four. In four categories, number one in new releases on the Amazon charts. Well, well, Come I think on, you got to do better than that. Four categories—that's it. Jeez. <laughs> I think that I think that when you're number one, there's a term for that. I think it means you're the best, and uh, it oh, just kind okay. of goes into mm-hmm. to being the boat. Now I'm not number one on the best sellers list. I'm not number one, but I'm in the top ten in several categories. I'm like seven here. I'm six here. I'm—I was two at one time. So I got to get up to number one. On the bestsellers list So if you, if you haven't heard about it It's a book about Back to the Future Which is of course I think the greatest pure trilogy ever made And uh, it comes out in April April 14th Shout out to Mango Publishing For making this thing happen And uh, I'm, I'm excited And the feedback from a lot of the people in the community Has been awesome So I want to shout out to everybody who's pre-ordered it already If you sent me your screenshot on Twitter I made sure to reply to you If you haven't You know Go and pre-order Give me a little screenshot of Ruski I'll definitely shout you out, give you a reply, and I'll sign the book, too. If you want to mail it to me, I'll sign it. You know, I'll do wow. it. I'll do it, because I'm that kind of guy, Frank Janish. But anyway, wow. thank you to everybody who tuned into that and have been supporting the project. Back from the future, go to Amazon.com. Just type in my name, Brad Gilmore. It pops up. Now that we have that out of the way, Frank, how has your week been in the Schmodown universe?
2: Uh, it's been pretty good. I mean, I'm kind of I'm catching up on some – I'm not catching up, but I'm trying to get some work done in terms of records. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I put out the singles division records. And so I'm currently working on putting together the team division records. And for that division, my my stats weren't as organized as they were for singles. So I've had to go back and kind of like do some extra work to get it all situated so I can properly do it. So that's been fun uh, to go back and do. Just really just nonsense stuff. But uh, I'm looking forward to compiling all of those because there's some – I think some people will be surprised at where people land on some of these record lists. Like I think some people were surprised with the singles division. You know, I think I was talking to you about Chance and like his first round accuracy and, and perfect rounds. You know, he's right near the top uh, of some legendary players. So I expect we'll see some some uh, records lists like that in teams. And uh, hopefully I can get that out in the next at least a
1: week, probably a week. We? Well, we, we will see. Uh, you know, the stat about Chance is actually one of the most surprising ones. Because you think Chance Ellison kind of, I don't know, he's a little bit under the radar. You know, even though he's a part of a prominent team, he was team champions this year, something that I correctly predicted he'd be a champion in season six. Um Seven. Six? Seven? He, he, th- we're going we're into, into season into seven. seven. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be a champion again in season seven, I'm saying. Okay, right? oh, wow, okay. Um, I'm putting that out there. But maybe <laughs> singles, you never know. But, um... Uh, you know he's kind of a guy who goes under the radar, and then when I found out that he's like one of the most accurate players in the history of the movie trivia Schmodown, you think, man, like what a what a great catch that Shannon Barney got because she not only got Mike Kalinowski, three division player, held championship gold, and two of them came close to getting a championship opportunity, one Flash Gordon away from from going to New York, and he. uh and so I mean, he could have been a three three belted champion, and then you got Chance Ellison, who's another guy who can compete in intergeekdom teams and singles. So I mean, you've got really just a winning formula if you're Shannon Barney. So shout out to her. I think that you know you put out draft grades, yeah. And I think they were they were a little harsh to some people, and really? some they some I feel like they were a little nicer. Uh, you you put you put my man you put my man uh, Kaiser down pretty low. I think you gave yeah. him the worst grade of the draft. It's cuz he drafted 4 people, dude. <laughs> like in the like and
2: then on top of that, um everybody else is just a rookie.
1: So it's like what am I So if somebody drafts Zion Williamson, you're like, "Ah, not so good."
2: Here's the difference. There's actual game tape on Zion Williamson, uh, uh Zion, right?
1: There's game tape on these other fools.
2: No, there's not. The fan leagues? Who from the besides Robert Parker?
1: Okay, well that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. Let's okay, talk so about I'm. Robert ta- Parker.
2: Okay, what about the other six people? Talk about,
1: I'm talking about the mayor of Pound Town, Robert Parker.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, just his uh his uh I think city halls and what Parlington Square I think so. It's
1: true. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And F boys beware is actually a bumper sticker on his uh. <laughs> Oh my his car. <laughs> I can't. Oh my gosh! I, you know. Oh my God! Two people just started laughing really hard when they heard that. Yeah. Um. But anyway, uh, people like Robert Parker, you got game tape on him, so I don't know why'd you grade Smet so low. I thought the, I thought I got, you know, and I heard I think Harloff talking about him too, like that he didn't do a good draft. I think that look, we talked about big swings, right? That's a big swing. He took made perhaps the biggest swing when you look at everything that he did. And yeah. if, if his strategy pays off, what are we going to say this time next year? Damn, that Kaiser was a genius, man. Look at what he got, the value he got out of that team.
2: That, that's fair. And I'm willing to go back and say, yeah, he he proved me wrong or whoever wrong. Um, and I'm not saying, like, what he did is not a good idea. I'm just saying, based on what we know of everybody, uh, relatively speaking, to from one team to another, that's how I would grade him. Because... By going Robert Parker in that second round, he forego a lot of proven people. He drafted two people in Kevin Smets and, and Adam Witt that previously played the year prior or who earned you know, so everybody else had never has never played in the Schmodown before. I mean, yes, Robert Parker played in fan leagues, but it's not the Schmodown that we know. So and that's and that's a different story. That's a different kind of environment. Um, however, I still, I'm pretty lenient with the Robert Parker pick because I do think it's a great pick. Uh, and, and, you know, Christian has talked about it on OCN live and backstage. So, um, it is what it is, but I, I, I really liked what Coy did and even Winston and Shannon. Um, so Kate, so, I mean, really the only two people who didn't, I feel like didn't do that well, uh, relatively speaking, were Kaiser and Robert Meyer Burnett. And Robert Meyer Burnett, simply because I don't know what his plan was. I, I felt like he looked at a list and went, uh, do you, are you available? Okay, you. It just, it I couldn't, I can't figure out what well, look, his plan here, was. Kaiser's, I can thing. figure it out. Or I can think I can figure it out. Same thing with Kate and whoever else. So that's where Robert Meyer Burnett's, I was like, ah. look,
1: he took K-Kaiser's- James White
2: in the second round. Like... The dude's gonna be there in the fifth, sixth, maybe even seventh round. So it's just a yeah, you needed you needed those moments
1: though. But here's the sure. I'm, oh, I love the moment, but like Kaiser, Kaiser's father was a legendary umpire, right? Right. And being around the game of baseball as much as John Kaiser was in his adolescence, and being astute observer of the game as he is, and by the way, Kaiser told me. Even though he's from New York, the Houston Astros are the greatest baseball team that he's ever seen. He told me that personally at Saddle Ranch. I have uh, proof of it uh, uh, somewhere. So. But so. he tell he you no, know, he told me that. I mean, I here's the thing. Here's the thing. He he definitely told me that. But uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm getting a message. I'm getting a message. Sorry, I just had to bang the trash can real quick because okay. you know I just had to let you know what was going right, on. Here comes a fastball right down the middle. Oh, and now Tuve with the buzzer beater. But um, but but John Kaiser. All jokes aside. He's a baseball-minded guy. So when I think about that, I'm like, okay, what is his strategy here other than IG players? And then I'm reminded of one of the best movies of the prior decade, um, and that was Moneyball. And I'm thinking about Billy Bean. I'm thinking about the Oakland A's. And I'm thinking about, oh, wait a minute. They weren't looking to hit home runs. They were looking to get on base. You know what I mean? And I think that John Kaiser's strategy isn't to hit home runs it's to get on base. And the more people he can get on base, the more value you can get out of those people. And then other teams, the rock stars, you know, corruption, uh swag squad, drip drip. Usual they start suspects. looking yeah. they start the usual suspects. They start looking over and they're saying, "Hey man, I mean, whoa, hey. You know, that was a pretty good pick there. I mean, look at that. He's kind of killing it in IG or he's killing it over here. Hey, uh hey, hey, hey Kaiser. You know, what 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 would you give us for uh for old Robert Parker over there?" And then you know he's like, yeah, I'll give him a hamburger I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna take him to Pound Town.
2: Okay, don't no, that's not what he's gonna say. That's not what <laughs> Smash he would say. Smash him.
1: He says that, and, yeah. And he's that. gonna say something like that, yeah. and uh, and he's gonna get value back out of these investments because that's the thing. We've seen the movie trivia Schmodown grow for seven seasons because why? Christian Harloff put an investment in it. Right, when we didn't. It wasn't the movie tree we We know right now, you had to work at it, there, brother Frank. So I think that Kaiser is thinking for the future, and he's the only guy who really, other than uh, Tom Dagnino slash <coughs> Ben Bateman, uh, who is thinking analytically here and thinking about picks and thinking about trades and how can I do this, to other that, for some guy who made at least three to four trades before there was even a single pick made, right. he's already thinking ahead of the game. And I, I, I would be seriously shocked if before the trade deadline – I mean after the trade deadline, this team of John Kaiser doesn't look dramatically different. Yeah. I think it's going to look dramatically and, and,
2: different. And let me say, you did see my draft grades on Twitter or on the Facebook group. It's not about how I, how I think – how well I think the team is put together. It's how I think that person did in the draft it's not indicative of how I how strong I think well, well, a person's a player's faction is. Well, the difference is how did they you know maneuver themselves in the draft? Did they take players um, that were proven, or did they take unproven players uh, given the spot that they were at? Did they get the max value? In my opinion, uh, for that type of pick, and so it's about how they navigated the draft and what. And it's not about did they get the strong. Yes, part of it is did they get the strongest players? Or did they have a strong team? for sure. But that grade is not solely meaning that, you know, like, like Finsock exchange, I gave them an a minus, right? Uh, there's some things I was like, well, they're in a great spot to begin with because they had two belts, you know, between right? So it's kind of hard to like downgrade them. They weren't doing that much. They had rounds five and six, you know, and then they had some other supplemental picks after that. So, You look at all the variables and and where teams stood or managers stood in terms of picking from the draft. Like Robert Meyer Burnett, James White is I think is a really good player, but he could have Robert Meyer Burnett could have got a really strong player for that at that same slot and still got James White later on. So that's where I have to take down the grade because I don't think that was a smart move. Even if James White ends up being the singles champion at that spot, it's just not a smart. Move in my opinion, because no one was talking about James White the way they were talking about Robert Parker. Because I don't know about you, but several other managers had their eye on Robert Parker going in probably in round three. So if Kaiser didn't take Robert Parker at round two, then he he probably doesn't have him. So I factor in all that stuff, and that's how I kind of reasoned out and 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 gave grades that way.
1: Okay. I see what you're saying now. It makes a little bit more sense because I was just taking it as like a, well, I don't know. I mean, I think Frank's being a little bit short-sighted here in some of these grades, but we'll, we'll see how the season progresses. And speaking of some of these names that we've already mentioned, being Ben Bateman and Mark Riley, who's the boss, or Robert Parker, or, or even the Bagel Boy himself, Ben Goddard, a lot of these people have already been announced for this upcoming season as matches are on the books. Frank Janish, and That's I want right. to go to you right now because I feel like we need to talk about some of these matches that we're going to be getting here in the early parts of Season 7. Obviously, here in a little bit, we're actually going to have a special uh, interview that I did on the Hall of Fame with Christian Harloff, talking about the Brooklyn Live event, and then Frank Janish and I are going to break down those matches in totality and give you our predictions and winners and picks and all that great stuff, but I feel like, first, let's look at the schedule. Let's look at the horizon of Season 7. So, we don't know the exact order of
2: these uh, matches yet, with dates they're going to be debuting, but... One of the ones that was talked about is Robert Parker will make his debut against uh, Ace, uh, Andres Cabrera, so in the in Intergeekdom match. And that's a very interesting one because uh, Robert Parker, obviously, super hyped. Ace, he does, uh, he does First Cut with RB3 um, and Sabrina, and they do a good job. They watch a lot of movies. I know Ace watches a lot of movies. I don't know what his Intergeekdom knowledge is like because it's on another level than just your normal trivia, general trivia. Robert Parker, he has a past. He, he's like undefeated, I think, or maybe even like one weird loss. Uh, but I think he's undefeated from the fan leagues. So, I love Ace, but man, this is such a tough way to start the year if you're Ace. Coming against Robert Parker, um, that one's going to be interesting for a couple of reasons. One, how will Robert Parker do under the lights? And
1: two... How much does Ace know in interdict Yeah, and we're gonna find out now. Robert Parker, <laughs> I'm gonna have to blow up his spot again. No oh boy. We, we were talking about uh, who played <laughs> George McFly in Back to the Future, and this is what the, the joke was a couple weeks ago that I'm sure, or last week, that people didn't pick up on. Because this is the first time I think, maybe the second time, but I think it's at least, the, I think it's the first time I ever met Robert Parker, and I spent a good amount of time with him and so anyway we're talking about George McFly back from the future com, and he we're talking about you know who played him and he just goes Mark McClure (laughs) Mark McClure so I mean and and although Mark McClure was in Back to the Future I I do want to point that out and he's legendarily known as Jimmy Olsen from the Christopher Reeve Superman movies not the right answer so I I just I don't know I don't know if my man Robert Parker is going to come with it is he going to bring it is he going to bring it as J.B. Smoove would say, on Curb your enthusiasm." Is he gonna bring it? I think so,
2: because he won't be in that same state of mind. I can assure you that. <laughs> Mayor Poundtown, he's gonna oh, take him geez. to Poundtown. Oh boy, I wish I really wish he'd stop saying stuff like that. It's a family can show. Should we call
1: Brad. Him Robert the Pounder? Parker? No, Robert the Pounder. <laughs> oh no! Can we please? Robert Pound for Pound. Yes. Parker. Robert Pound for Pound Parker, <gasps> Frank Janish. You beautiful man. That is the best name. Now, right, right now, what is his nickname? Is it the Hobbit? The Spider. No, That the was spider. his uh, fan league nickname, I think. The, the Hobbit. Spider, Robert the Spider Parker. I guess because the Parker, Peter thing. Parker. Yeah, yeah. I like Pound for Pound Parker. Well, I mean, you
2: could call him. It's, it's. I mean, you call him Bob, Parker, Robert, Bob, Bob Parker. I'm gonna call him Bob from now
1: on. Actually, why not?
2: Bobby Parks. Bobby Parker. Pound for
1: pound Parker. I really like pound for pound. Bobby Parker. Parker. Pound for pound. Bobby Parker. Pound for pound. (laughs) Bobby Parker. He's going to take it a pound down. Okay. Uh, That's my John (laughs) Kaiser impression, everybody. Well, okay. And then who else we got? I got Robert Parker in that one, too.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people. Pound for pound Parker. um, So here's an interesting match. Um, Who's the boss versus. The Odd Couple a rematch back from Chicago uh, when The Odd Couple Woo! beat Who's the Boss. This one will be very, very interesting because presumably uh, Ben Bateman would still, what might have the singles title still at this time, whether he's defended right. or not, don't know. Uh, so he could have the belt walking on to that, that studio that that desk with a little bit of bling and going up against Jeff Snyder. And Mark and Draco, obviously, Mark Riley and, and Ben Bateman, they had a great run in the tournament a couple years ago. Uh, lost to the Shirewolves in a legendary match at Spectacular, one of the best ever, if not the best team match ever displayed, at least in, in a Spectacular event. Uh, odd couple, they eventually went on to beat the Shirewolves and were, were uh, team champions for a little bit. This will be a very interesting rematch because Ben Bateman has, since then, has taken his game to another level, at least individually, and yeah. we'll see how that how that works with Riley. If maybe Ben Bateman said, "Hey, figure this thing out. Try it," and now maybe the whole team is elevated as a whole, going up against the other couple. Uh, once again, to be Gucci versus Roxy, uh, always that's always going to be a hoot. So I'm looking forward to that matchup for sure. That's a that's a premium matchup.
1: Yeah, no that that that's definitely going to a premium matchup, and. Here's the thing is I'm a little split here because, you know, I've always had the same philosophy of when you get the rematch, um, typically the team that won the first time is going to lose the second time because the other team learned from it. This is my NFL um, idea. This is my NFL ideology. It's like, you know, you're going to split the wins. It almost always happens. And with, with this scenario, I would think who's the boss would come out victorious just based on that principle alone and nothing else but I am Team Rockstars this year. That's going to be the team I'm backing, and this would be a pretty big win for the Rockstars out of the gate because you know whoever wins this is pretty much the number one contender for those team championships or is the number one contender for those team championships as far as I'm concerned, and I really like the odd couple. I really like the odd couple going up against the Founding Fathers. You know what I mean? I like seeing that match, And and I think that it would play out very well, because guess what? John Rocha, he has a kryptonite. His kryptonite is Jeff Snyder. It sure is.
2: <laughs> it sure is. Uh, but speaking of number one contenders, there is a match. I do believe this will be a number one contender match. Uh, I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty positive that this, is what, this is what Christian said. It's the family of Andrew Guy, Drew McQueen, go up against Corruption, Mike Kalinowski and Chance Ellison. That one should be a number one contender match, um, and will be very, very interesting, because um, the family's coming off a loss, Corruptions coming off a loss, but a lot has happened uh, in in the downtime in terms of uh, how the family defects from Robert Meyer Burnett. Mike, he's kind of playing. Was he playing some mind games in the off season about he's down and out after that big brutal loss in Intergeekdom and, and then obviously losing. Uh, previously to the founding fathers, the team titles. So it was a rough way to end last year. Does he come back reinvigorated? Chance is he on a war path too? I like this matchup a lot. And look, you also have to look at the possibility because there's already talk of it. Sam could, given the circum, given right circumstances, could split up the family, Drew McQueenie and Andrew Guy, and possibly team up Drew McQueenie and Janine the Machine to form a new team. If the family were to lose to corruption, you're like you're one step closer to that being a reality. Uh, so that's so th- that's another little wrinkle that could be in the back of people's minds when you watch this match because maybe you do root for Sam, maybe you are rooting for Drew McQueenie and Andrew Guy to win, but you know that there could be a slightly better team up if it's Drew McQueenie and Janine, but. There's a lot going on here, and then obviously corruption and Shannon and all that. Um, there's just so much
1: going on there. Doesn't Andrew Guy seem like a player? Do you know I me mean? okay. Let me ask you this: If the family were split up, you think Sam teams Janine and Drew up? I like this. What happens to Andrew Guy? Does he demand a trade? No,
2: I I think. I think he would take it well, because that was kind of his reasoning for almost retiring, saying Drew McQueen deserves a better player, and I think if Andrew Guy felt like he could not deliver, and given the way this turn seems to have started at Spectacular, I think he would be on board with it, but but I think also still be of use in the usual suspects, uh, because... Much like.
1: In what, in what way? I just
2: think someone that you know is always going to have your back. Always going to have your back. I mean, you can never have too many of those people in your corner. I mean, if you're walking to a big match and you got an army behind you, and the other guy walks out with like one other, two other people, I mean, who's going to feel a little bit more confident? I think the person with the army who has all that support um, behind them and Andrew Guy obviously can, can spit some fire. When, in, when need be. So, I mean, I would like to have Andrew Guy on my
1: corner. You know, I wonder. Just let me fantasy book here f- just for a moment. Okay. And I know this is, like, not even close to in the realm of possibility. But can I fantasy book my perfect live event card? Because if the odd couple goes out and beats Who's the Boss, right? Sure. Who's the Boss would then be at their two losses in a row, right? Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. They
0: so lost they to the could be family. St- and then the, yeah. yeah.
1: So they could be split up,
0: right?
2: Well, I think if the stipulation is three, three losses, I think that's... Are those two in a row? It could be two or three. I don't know. That's, that's a league decision. I don't know if there was ever a clear determination on that, but I thought it was three wins or three losses or any other extenuating circumstances. Because the other part is, what if Andrew Guy, he books some work and he's unavailable. so now you make a petition to the to the commissioner, to the chairman saying, hey, Andrew Guy, he can't he's got other stuff going on. I, I am gonna have a dormant team here with Drew McQueenie and Andrew Guy. I can I split them up and Drew's available and so is Janine. So there's a couple I think instances in which maybe it's not the three losses that splits them up. maybe it's someone gets busy. And particularly in this case, well, Andrew Guy. Well, well, okay. and let me, you know let me, he has to step away. Blah blah blah.
1: Let, but let me tell you my idea here. Sure. So okay, so there, there's like this room. Ru- there's this rumor out here that if you know if they go to if they go to Boston, we'll see the Patriots get back together. Right, like a one night only thing. Sure. Or maybe they're all 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 nights together. Who the hell knows? But if we can get this, or just imagine this: Houston, Texas. The World Gym Arena. We have two matches that could be main events anywhere in the world. I think I know what you're going with this. Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I think I do. So if who's the ball splits up and the family splits up, I could see a scenario where, get this, just get this, a one-for-one trade, Andrew Guy, or Mark Riley. Right? One for one trade, you reunite Team Action. One more time. But right? w- I would see that in reverse. Okay, you trade Ben Bateman, he's the champ. Maybe he's not the champ at that time. Okay, I uh, okay, whatever you want to do it. Ben goes over to Sam and you know, and we got the usual suspects. Well, I'm whatever.
2: just saying, how you think Rocco would be there to watch team action reunite? Are you kidding me? You saw what he did when he got picked in the fourth round. What do you think he'd do with this happened? He's okay, defecting the corruption then after that. But imagine imagine Which then I think actually I want to see all this go down. I mean it's the waterfall imagine effect.
1: Team action reuniting in the same arena where they had their civil war. That would be interesting. Be begin. And they reunite to you know, in a number one contenders match for the titles, or something, something to that, right? I, I thought don't know who they play. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were gonna say maybe have
2: the family and who's the boss play a loser mm. breaks up match.
1: Mm. That's not bad either. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But get this, main but, event. I want to hear my idea for the main event. That's right. the uh, that's the undercard. Oh, that's the undercard. That's, that's the, the undercard. Oh, all right. Okay. Main event. Inside the confines of a steel cage, (laughs) Kevin Smets versus Mike Kalinowski for the Intergeekdom Championship. Oh, wow. Now,
0: tell me that's not a card. That's That's a hell of a card. card. That's That's a card.
1: Christian, book it. All right? (laughs) Booker, I was just talking to Booker earlier, and he's like, hey, man, when are we going to do the schmo down? I'm like, I don't know, man. we got to holler at Christian. So, Christian. There you go. I know you're out there. Just putting that out there, my brother. Um... But anyway, that's my idea. That's my dream card. Now, speaking of uh, of these guys, no, we had a couple more matches, right? Yeah, we, we had a couple more matches. Uh, we know so Ben Goddard versus RB3, and we know yep. uh, Bonnie Somerville versus Brett Brett. Sheridan. Yep,
2: and then we have one more big one.
1: It's John Rocha
2: taking on Paul Oyama. Not a number contenders match as of right now. I don't think it would work out that way, but I think it all depends on what happens in New York. We'll see what happens. Uh... That's a big match, man. That's a huge match. It's pretty that's old-school, new-school match. It's and, and if that's the first match for Paul, back from a pretty brutal defeat at Spectacular, going up against another Horseman um, and, and one of the iconic players of the league in John Rocha, um
1: That'd be pretty cool, man. That would be really cool. That'd be pretty cool, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, who do you got in that match, though? Who do you got in that match? You know... There's... I
2: don't know. Are Founding Fathers still team champs? Because if that's the case, then I think maybe Roka's got some mojo going and he keeps it going against Paul. Um, Has Paul played a team match? But if it's all only in a vacuum, just in a vacuum, I'm going to go Paul. Mm, You think so? Yeah. I think... Paul probably learned a lot from Spectacular. I bet you he's been replaying that second round, that first round, over and over in his head. And I think well, he's I hope he lot. learned something. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> first off, I hope he learned something, but I do think he learned a lot uh, at that at that point at, or at that match. So uh, I'm going to take Paul in, in his comeback match here against John Rocco.
1: Well, uh, it's a tough one. It is tough. I mean, I was so impressed by what Paul did throughout the season. It's hard for me to not be on his side and say, you know, this guy's gonna go out there. And 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 Roca. I don't know. I want to say Roca's up and down sometimes, but I feel like he's had a fire lit under him, especially after that round fourth rounder uh, phenomenon. I think that he's kind of back with something to prove. I think that that is as close to a pick 'em as you can get. Yeah, and and I think. I think you have here. to make Roca like, if this were Vegas, you'd have to make him, like, plus, uh, minus 125 favorite. Hmm. I think he would be the favorite in this. He's coming off of a win in yeah. teams, no less. But, you know, he's coming off of a win at Spectacular versus a major loss. I'll
2: say this. I think five-round matches favor Roca, Three-round matches favor Oyama.
1: Hmm.
2: And yeah, this is going to be a yeah. three-round match. Because... Five round matches for Roka. I mean, he can, he knows how to hang in there and and chip away and and, and find maybe a tell of his you opponent the and, and then get in there and you know, uh, Oyama he can he can he has a he has the capability of striking hard and fast and then two rounds are done before you know it and you're down four points and you're like, I got to answer all these questions or else I'm toast. So I, I think three rounds favors Paul more than it does Roka. But if Roka's only playing five-round matches, you know, which he could possibly be doing all year for Honey Fathers. So, uh,
1: that's how I, yeah, that's how I look at it. Woo! woohoo! God, man, I'm excited for that. That that actually might be my most anticipated match aside from this triple threat this weekend. I think that that's my most anticipated announced match thus far. But also, I mean, who's the boss in the odd couple is a heavy hitter, too?
2: We got one more little bit of news just a little uh, roster management uh, for the den. Diana Demo John has to drop out, uh, so that means there's one slot more open for the den for Kate and Grace. So, uh, do they have eight spots
1: filled, or the nine? They would. They should have nine. I spots think they. Filled. Yeah, yeah. I think they filled up all ten. So yeah, yeah, they have nine left. Interesting. I I really like that the fact that some people still have one roster spot open. Like a rock, Roxy's got one. Mm-hmm. I think that there. I think there's a couple other people have one, at least one left. And the reason I like this is because we don't know who's going to come through in the middle of the season. Exactly. We don't know who's going to come through later in the, after the debut. I mean, Smets was one of the late entries, right? Um, right. Who we, we saw well, U- yeah, Oyama. I mean, I mean, they were in the first part of the season, but you know what I'm saying, like, right? Right. They came. They didn't. They weren't there prior to season six. Like we didn't know about them until we were introduced to them uh for the first time. So I like that they're gonna have stuff open and we'll see uh we'll see what uh what, what Kate and, and, and Grace come up with. And here's the reason why I like leaving one slot open. It's because
2: if you have all ten filled, I'm not sure what the process is in terms of all right, I gotta drop, so I gotta tell I gotta tell the league I'm dropping this player. Then I gotta go and say, okay, now I'm gonna pick up this player that I saw. Whereas a person or a team that has a slot open, they go, I want that player. They don't have to drop somebody first and then, you know, go pick up somebody. That's if you true. have a slot open, you go, boom, I want him." You know, you, you only have to do one step as opposed to two. So that's why I like leaving that one slot open for that random rookie, that that random player that hasn't shown up in a while, that's coming back now, plays a really good game. If I like him, if the whole league likes him, right, and you have all ten slots filled, but you're the you're the person who doesn't, you go, I want him. And the other person just dropped a player, you know, and, and now you got him.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. So we'll we'll see how that goes on. So I appreciate that update of news, um, Frank. We, we said we we're gonna do this, and I I didn't think that we'd do this this late into the into the show, but I feel like we should do it now. You you texted me earlier. You said, hey, there, you know, there's no matches this week. We're kind of post draft talk. Um, let's do some fun. Let's talk about the greatest heels in the history of the movie trivia show. Right? So so yeah. tell me a little bit about what your idea was behind this.
2: Well, I had seen some chatter on the Facebook group and uh, you know with with Shannon really making a mark, even more of a mark now to start off the year. obviously Andrew Guy's pedigree as a heel in this league. there's John Rocha who who felt I guess a little slighted, chimed in on a post. Saying, don't you remember where this all started? Who's you know? Uh, don't I get any credit? So he had some words to say. He's been very defensive lately. Fourth you round, know, fourth round picks, uh, not the greatest he of all time. How
1: dare you? Uh, so look, yeah, I got I got a lot of love for my man John roca And before we get into our list, there's a um, you remember this? You, you remember the album "Nothing Was the Same" by Drake? Yeah. Yeah That's the one where he had Like his head on the cover with, Like in clouds or whatever hmm. You remember the song Wu-Tang Forever Yes yeah. Right Love that song Great It's a phenomenal record He says in that song He says It ain't about who did it first It's about who did it right Ooh 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 Shots fired So I just I, I I'm, not <laughs> saying, I'm not saying anything I'm just saying <laughs> It's not about who did it first It's about who did it right Yeah You know what I'm saying you know what I mean? Frank Janison, that's coming from Jersey Drake.
2: Okay. Canada's- uh, And doomed. it's ironic because I know John Rowe is a big fan of Drake. He's a big fan of Drake. He seems like a Drake guy. He's not. He seems like a
1: real Drake guy. Well, Drake's in his feelings. Hey, that's <laughs> damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That is good. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I wrote down my, my top five. You did? Heel. I wrote down my top five heels. Okay. Yeah. Did you, did you I didn't do any write, I didn't write anything down. You didn't write anything down? No, no, no. All right, well That's okay, wait, just let's go let's go I wanna go one down to five. Okay. That's what I want yeah, to let me do. Hear, so, let,
2: me, let me just go off of you list your because I mean I have ideas obviously, but Okay. You have a list.
1: Here's my list. Yeah. The greatest heel in the history of the movie trivia Schmodown, I think without argument, Andrew Guy. I, I just don't think you can argue Andrew Guy being the greatest heel. Just his demolishment of Dan Merle and the way that he acted during that match was so... I mean, it earned him that plaque forever. Yes. I used to say, whoever beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania would be a heel for life. And I feel like if you beat Dan Merle in the way that, that Andrew Guy did, you're a heel for life, even though, you know, he's kind of turned into a... He's a little tweeny right now. But that performance was so spot on. And his continual performances, even the... Uh, way we saw everything play out in Houston with Booker and bringing Booker out and then you know bringing Roxy out bringing Robert Mar Burnett out and having like you know the whole heel angle to it uh, even I think he had pictures of Ben that he had printed out and was throwing yeah. out to the crowd um it was it was genius it was genius and uh, that's why Andrew Guy's my number one yeah
2: I fully agree
1: that Andrew guy
2: is the best heel of all time of course these are all just these are Yours and and my opinion, uh, but I think oh, a lot of people agree with that. Hold that opinion, and it's not a slight at anybody else. It's just, and I also I've said this before. There's a there's there's different brands of heel in this league. Just look at Andrew Guy and Mike Kalinowski. They do they're both heels, but they have a different way of going about it. Same for Roka. Same for the Patriots. Same for the movie guys. Whoever. They have a different brand about it, uh, or a different style, and Andrew Guy's style is something that I just happen to like the most. And he does the most with the heel, being a heel because I think you're right. That match against Dan Merle, it's not only did he play great, play the game great, but the performance along with the play is, yeah. I think, unmatched by it, face or heel. Um, it's unmatched. It's just, it was lightning in a bottle that day. And if you were lucky enough to be in that studio, let me tell you, you saw something special, something you probably will never see again. It was that amazing to be in that space. Uh, And I I think about it all the time, to be quite honest with you. yeah, Uh, That's how fun it was, how great it was, and how shocking it was. And it's all because of Andrew Guy and his work playing the part, being the part, living the part, it was phenomenal. Cerulean in effort.
1: I mean, <laughs> it was just—it's just one of the yeah. great, one of the great lines. All right, my number two. Okay. You mentioned him a second ago, Mike Kalinowski. I, wow. I, okay. I mean, the way that he manipulated the entire league—the the anarchy thing. Yeah. Um, you know, having Thad kind of do his bidding for that entire season, and then catapulting that into the hashtag Mikey three belts, and really going hard in all three divisions. Um, I just think that his heel work is always great, um, him and Shannon together. Really, I, I almost have to put KO slash Shannon, even though this is the like greatest of all time. I can't put Shannon up there yet, but yeah. like their package uh, is just so great together. So that's why KO comes in at number two. It's going to be interesting to see how
2: Shannon elevates Mike's uh, year, because I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, they'll elevate each other. But Shannon's going to bring this new kind of of vigor, I think. And because Mike's been doing it for a while, kind of just by himself, even though Shannon's been in the wings for the past couple of seasons. You know, she's been there, but she has never been front and center the way she looks to be this year. And I'm very excited because I honestly think Shannon will probably, in some ways, overshadow Mike and what he's doing. And that might be a good thing for Mike. If he's trying to tackle all three divisions, yeah, you know, much in the way uh, Finstock or Dagnino tries to take the heat off of everybody else, mm-hmm. Shane's going to do that in her own way, I think, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But Mike still, I think, is still uh, everything he's done. Again, going to anarchy, being corruption, all of that is has been great. And I what I was in this weird place where I was looking at Mike in terms of being a heel because I was frustrated with him. Because he, he he wants to be the bad guy, but he also wants to be liked. And I'm like, pick a lane. It's so frustrating to me. Frustrating it's to fush, me. was frustrating to say Yeah, I was going to say, say another word before frustrating. But, um, funnel cake. Yeah. <laughs> funnel cake. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> funnel cake frustrating, yes. Um, so... But then I was like, maybe that's kind of the genius of his heel, is he makes me so aggravated that he doesn't, that I can't define him purely as the bad guy, because he also wants to be the good guy, in a sense, you know? So, I I appreciate that that kind of dynamic, whether it's by choice or by, you know, accident,
1: you know, it's it's working for me now. Right, no, I mean, I I agree with you, I agree with you, I think that, the frustration of Mike Kalinowski is why he's number two on my list. Okay, now I'm coming at number three. It's not one, then. It's two. The Patriots. Yeah, yeah, for
2: sure. I might even put them at, at number two, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I, I, could, sw- I could swap them with I Mike could. Kalinowski. But you know, are you going say? No, 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 I mean, it's just, just. I mean, they're the Patriots. <laughs> it's almost self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: I hated them. For yeah. a long time. And yeah. this is this was like when I was like peak top 10 fanboy. And mm. I, I wanted,
1: because... Didn't Jeff Snyder block you on Twitter or something?
2: Yeah, but I don't know really, if it was in relation to this. Mm. It, was, it was something else. Um, My bad. Yeah, but he did, yeah. But it's all good now. Uh, <laughs> so top 10, this is when I you was know, starting to do stats. And I'm looking at Patriot stats, I'm like... They're not that great of a team. Like, they're bound to lose with these kinds of performances. They're not, you know, blowing anybody out of the water in the first or second. I mean, they have actually pretty good second rounds, but, like, first rounds aren't that great. You know, they stumble sometimes here and there on steals. Top 10 has shown to be pretty more, you know, more uh, consistent and better knowledge. Their accuracy rate's better than than the Patriots. Like, they got to beat them. Then they lose the belts. In just one of the most craziest finishes you'll see uh, at the first spectacular. And then the Patriots from there on out went on a run, uh, the likes of which we'll probably never, ever see again. And that's for many factors. But that whole run, I was like, they have to lose. Please lose. And then they got to like win seven. I was like, just, or six even. I was like, yeah, just keep going. Keep winning. This is yeah. great now. Like they, they actually kind of converted me. And um, but you I wanted hated them. them to go forever. I did. At, at that point, point, I was like, "Screw it! Forever. Screw mm-hmm. it!" You know, and I was yeah. like, and it was pissing off so many people. And back then, Snyder was still finding like his place in the league. So uh, he was, and he wasn't like a well-known guy when he came into the space. Much like 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 Makuka was, or Roxy was, or not Roxy, uh, Roka was. You know, people knew them from like Schmoes No and whatnot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but Jeff just kind of popped in, and he was kind of always the bad guy from the get go, which really worked for him and really worked for me in terms of hating him. But I was like, but I love JT; he's the People's Champ. I was like, but then JT would play it up, and I was like, that's fun. But I also hate you, Snyder. And so it was a lot of fun to watch them play. And, and yeah, I could put them number two, but number three I think is a is a fair spot.
1: The the first time I met JT... Um, it, was, it was in the old Collider Studios, the first Collider Studios. And I uh, went in and I said, uh, you know, hey, uh, hey, I'm Brad. You know, I do the Shimoda Rundown. And he goes, your show sucks. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Yeah, sounds about go. right. Sounds about right. Yep. Okay. And now, coming in at number four. Four. There can only be one person at number four. <laughs> <laughs> i see what you did there i see what you did the outlaw there it is <laughs> john roca <laughs> it's coming in at number four oh because of the four horsemen
2: right obviously four four horsemen, four horsemen not four yeah horseman four i
1: know why, why else would we the fourth Roar- horseman
2: ro- 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 yeah
1: fourth horseman yeah the fourth funnel cake is what you're saying right
2: yeah the fourth horseman Uh,
1: yeah (laughs) uh you know john roca is is the player i think for most people um he was the guy who got me into the schmodown Mm -hmm. like when i when i saw john roca he was the first time i was like oh the wrestling element like oh now i get it i connect i get it it's not like some cosplay trivia it's it's like the wrestling angle. I get it. There's characters. There's storylines. Okay, he's the heel. I understand this now. Now I'm in. I'm all in. And John Roca, to me, like I said, it's not about who did it first, it's about who did it right. But whoever did it first have to lay the blueprint of which everything else is built upon. Yeah. And that's why John Roca is always going to be in the conversation for greatest heel ever.
2: Yeah, and I think you could look at it this way in terms of, let's say, if John, if we were all still saying. John was is the best heel of all time. What does that really say about everybody else who's come after him to try and be a heel? Like, are they not good? Because, like, if he's still, like, the benchmark... I mean, in a lot of ways, he is, for sure. But if he's, like, the end-all, be-all of heels, and he was, like, the first guy, then that, to me, that's like, there's nobody... You would think something better has come along, and that's not a dis disrespect to Roca because you're right. He lays the blueprint. He lays the groundwork. You know, he lays the foundation of which team action came in on. And, and then they took it to another level. That's how it should go. Cause if that's not happening, then I think we ha- kind of have a problem here, but we don't have that problem. We have really great heels and Andrew guy corruption, the Patriots. Um, so I know Roca is still going to have a problem. If he's ever even listening to this, um, so you yeah, still have a problem, and he should. He really should have a problem, I under, and I understand why he would. But uh, I think if he was still, like, number
1: one, I'd be like, well, I guess well, we're not well, he, doing that. The, the you thing. know what I'm trying here's to say? Thing. Do you know what I'm trying look, to say? Look, here's the thing. Now, part, part of my putting him at number four was just for the trolling aspect of it, and I couldn't resist. Uh, I, I think that Andrew Guy is probably, without a doubt, the number one heel, and I think that mm-hmm. four through five for me, it's all floating. You know, Roka could be number two at one point. He could be, you know, he might be number one some days. You know, he could be, you know, the Pat, the Patriots could be number five. It's kind of a floating top five for me except for Andrew Guy. But to go back to what we said a minute ago about him laying the blueprint, I mean, remember, uh, you know, Blueprint 3, Jay-Z, uh, thank you. I think, no, it wasn't thank you. It was uh, Stars Born was the name of the record. And he said, clap for him, but I'm the blueprint. I'm like the map for him, Right. And, yeah. and, and that's what Roka is. He's the map for him. You know, you have to see what he did to know, okay, this is how you do it in this league. Right. Also, though, there are people who—and who, and here's the thing. If you put Roka number one, I'm not sweating you at all. Sure, sure. Because same, same reason why, you know, people who are younger than you and I uh, might say LeBron's the greatest of all time, and we're always going to say it's Jordan. And the people before us saying, "Oh, but you should have seen Magic." And the people before them, what about Bill Russell? Right. You know, I mean, there's always or Wilt Chamberlain. Sure. It's going to be kind of who, you, how you came in the league, and you know, just who, who you stick by. So I get if people still put John Rocha number uh, number one. I mean, and, and like I said, I was just trolling him partly. Jo- jo- Rocha, you know, oh, I love you. Um, and number five, I, I put Team Action. Did you? Okay. Yeah, I mean, Ben Bateman and Andrew Guy yeah. together, great package. Ben as a solo act, he's got to be the face. He's more likable than hateable. It doesn't matter how tight his suits are. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think I'd rather see if if Ben's going to play the heel. I mean, he can play the heel, but it's just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's you know, again, like I said, like, there's different styles, different brands that, that appeal to me as, as a fan. Uh, I certainly like. I do like when Ben gets snippy and and I guess, um, dickish. You know, and it's fun to watch when he kind of like he just prods. You know, and pokes. Right. Uh, and and but that's him and Andrew to together. But, yes, together. We're so much better. I mean, when those entrances were just great. It was a, one All big time. troll job. You know, and, and mm-hmm. it was it was so much fun to watch. And they did elevate what Roka had started. Um, and they've, they've talked about that. They've admitted that. So, um, going back on what I said earlier about, like... I, I, was, I think I still would rank Roka above Team Action just because of kind of how long Team Action lasted. And it's all story and stuff like that, too, so I get it. So it's not entirely fair, but it is what it is. So... Uh, but separately, Andrew Guy just then took it to another level, and yeah.
1: it just evolved from there. So, th- so those are our heels. Tell me, tell us if you agree, disagree, hate it, love it. The underdogs on top. Uh, hey, you can hate on me. I'm Raps MVP, and I ain't going nowhere. You can get to know me, um, Frank Janis, That was the see. That was the trilogy of rap references. In Unbelievable. You saw I did that. I went from Drake to Jay to Game in Fifty. Um, you know, hold That's why they call me the boat. Hey, Frank. This is what we're gonna do. I'm going to throw it to uh, my interview that I did on the Hall of Fame on ESPN Radio with Christian Harloff, where we talk about the draft a little bit, but we also talk about really what the draft means for the league going forward. I said, does it, is it going to take away for from the wrestling aspect? Is it going to add more of an eSports vibe? So we're going to talk about that, and we also, he gives his prediction on this big match, the, the triple threat, number one contenders match, Bibiani, the kid, Dangerous Dan Merle. Here is the commish, or the chairman, the founder. Christian Horlock. I like it. <laughs> Well, welcome back inside the Hall of Fame. Brad Gilmore here with Jerry Bow Nose Booker T is going to be joining us here in a couple minutes uh, from the Chris Jericho cruise in the Bahamas. But right now i got a special guest on the line, and he is on the line to talk about a big event going down this Saturday in Brooklyn, New York, January the 25th at the Roulette Theater uh, in Brooklyn, New York. It is the movie trivia showdown live, the season seven debut, and the creator, the chairman of the board himself, Christian Harloff, is on the phone with us. Christian, how are you?
0: I'm good. What's
1: up, boat? How hey, what's doing? going on, man? What's going on? And man, Christian, man, you know, I saw you a couple of weeks ago. We had the the what's movie right? trivia showdown draft. We had the awards uh, at the comedy store, and it was a, it was a tremendous success. And I wanted to have you on tonight to talk about it because. Obviously, this is ESPN. We're a sports station, and I think the movie trivia showdown has really made the next step into becoming a sport. Now, I know people might think, wait, wait, what are you talking about? How could a trivia competition be a sport? Well, you had a full-on draft where teams were done. There was there was projected number one draft picks. Tell, tell the people about the draft and, and where the idea for it came.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, look, we started this thing out um, in 2014 as a simple segment on a podcast, to be completely honest, and it was just a bunch of sports fans, movie fans that said, let's do something based off of the uh, Sweet 16, but take 16 of the biggest movie nerds that we know, put them up against each other for a couple of weeks, and see if the fans like it, and they did, so we did that for a couple of years, and then it became a weekly show, and the characters started to build out, and the, co- the competitive nature, and more competitors, and bigger outlets like uh, IGN, and, uh, and Nerdist, and Hollywood Reporter, and all these Places started to get involved, and we started to find contenders, and we had rankings and championships, and and it just got very competitive over the last couple of years, and and we you know we put a bit of a WWE flair on it also because it's a real it's a real trivia contest as you know, but we wanted to make it a show within this within this contest, so we have these big inflated personalities. And managers started to get involved. And the managers, even though they have these big personalities, they really got involved in the game, and they, they started to help players. And I realized that it started to become a disadvantage for players that didn't have managers. So I was like, well, how do you really turn this thing into more of like eSports and to get that idea across that this is like our – because when you go to a live event, Brad, you know, you've been there. So, like, when you go to a live event, you feel like you're at a UFC fight. You feel like you're at a WWE match because the energy – is insane. We tell people, oh, I'm a, it's movie trivia, like, like bar trivia. It's it's hard to explain it until you see it, until you understand it. And the idea was to say, okay, we have over 120 people in this roster, but now we have nine managers. Let's draft them. And so we went to the world famous comedy store, put together a draft, and it turned out to be as uh, successful as I could have hoped. The managers really got into it. The competitors were into it, and it's uh, we're excited.
1: I mean, and people are are strategizing. There's teams. People are already trying to – there's trades. I mean, Jerry Bo, there were pick swaps. People were doing pick swaps. They were trading picks in the draft. I mean, it was crazy to see how serious everyone was taking. I think eSports, Christian, is is the best comparative, right? I mean, you go to an eSports competition and and you see fans – having these, these crazy reactions to big plays that happen in the video games. And it's similar. Last year in Brooklyn was the season opener. Again, I was there in person, and the energy in that room was electric. You had people coming in from the U.K., coming in from all 50 states to come watch Dan Merle play Ethan Irwin for the championship, right? And it was electric. It was 100% electric. Um, how could you – like, Why? why do you think – Brooklyn this year, you know, going down on Saturday, again, January 25th at the Roulette. Why is Brooklyn like the best place to kick off the season for you?
0: Well, I mean, minus the bias that I'm uh, I'm from New York, um, that's, that's part of it. Last year, I, I won't lie and say that one of the main reasons I wanted to open in New York last year, so I wanted to go home. But um, the reason why I wanted to do it again this year is because of what you just said. And it was the energy and the electricity in the air it was the first, event that we did live that wasn't in los Angeles. previously we had done three events in la but we took it on the the road all over the country last year and the first stop was new york um and it was just it was one of these things it might be a little nostalgic for me but it was also i think kind of good luck to uh to start it off there again and i love the theater i love the roulette intermedia right near the Barclays center over there and um it's uh it was it's 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 that it's that energy it's that new york energy it's it's and they get it, and they and they and they they know the personalities. They understand what we're doing, and they give it a hundred and ten percent when they're in there as an audience.
1: Now with this draft, now that we have teams, we have rosters, we have we have coaches. Essentially, do you think that the the, the show in season seven will, or or the league rather, will be more of a sport feel than the pro wrestling aspect
0: of it? I think both. I think. Um, I think that that's what, like, when it comes to the game itself, absolutely, you're going to get the sports element of it. Um, but it's my job as the creator of the show and not just the promoter of the, the fights, if you will, um, to make sure that those storylines and for those people who follow it for that, get what, they, what, what they're looking for. And I think that that's the challenging and exciting part for me, that when I'm watching these, these matches, um, then I say, okay, well, how do I spin that into a story itself? For example, our opening match is, uh, for our, at Brooklyn is Andrew Guy versus Robert Burnett. Burnett was Guy's manager last year. He's a manager this year. They have an ongoing feud, um, and they're, they're going to go after each other on those promos. The match will probably be a disaster as far as uh, actual trivia <laughs> competitive. But it's going to be one of the most entertaining matches you'll probably see all year because there's such big personalities. And then the, the main event,
1: number one contenders match, you have Brendan the Kid Meyer, Dangerous Dan Merle, and William the Beast Bibiani uh, all vying for a spot uh, shot at Ben the Boss Bateman for that championship. Um, tell me, your expert opinion, Dan Merle, a lot of people can, you know relate him to Michael Jordan. He's, he's the greatest of all time in regards to doing this show or this competition. Who do you think comes out of Brooklyn? If you can, uh, if, if you are going to pick them, if you're going to put money on this fight, who comes out of Brooklyn the number one contender?
0: It's hard not to put money on Dan Merle. He's undefeated in live events. He's a three-time champion. He's a reigning teams champion. Um, he's got the, he holds the record for knockouts. Uh, he's beaten Bibiani before uh, twice in teams and in singles. And he might have Bibiani's number overall. Now the kid throws in another factor here with this triple threat. But Dan's cool, calm, and collected when it comes to live events. Now Bibiani, on the other hand. Hasn't been stellar in live events, but he's been really good in three-rounders. If it was a five-rounder, it would have to go against Bibiani because Bibiani's like one in five in five-rounders. But in three-rounders, and especially triple threats, he's pretty good. The underdog is clearly the kid Brendan Meyer. Um, he, he's, kind of, he's thrown into this match because Bibiani had a number one contender shot that he gave to Meyer, um, and now we have this triple threat. And I think that Dan Merle is the overall favorite, but you can't count Bibiani out because Bibiani knows, as far as knowledge goes in movie trivia. I don't know who knows more than him when it comes to actual trivia, not just the game.
1: I, I think I think that you're right, though. I think that the, as 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 knowledgeable as Bibiani is, Dan Murrow just kind of feeds in those live events. He, he's kind of like he's kind of like the Undertaker. Of the movie trivia schmodown, when yep. it comes to live events, he's undefeated at mania. He's undefeated at live events, so I'm excited to see it. And, and people, if if you're not in Brooklyn, don't worry, you could still see this event live as it's going on. There's a pay per view stream available at the And also, Christian, y'all are doing a live show uh, at the New York Comedy Club with Matt Sarah, right? UFC welterweight champion.
0: That's correct. We're doing we're doing. Uh, Mark Ellis has a comedy show that night around eight, but at five o'clock, the daily show that we do on the Schmodown Entertainment Network. We're doing our version of that show live at the New York Comedy Club in the East Village, 5 p.m. Myself, Kate Mulligan, Robert Butler III, Andrew Guy will also be there, Ben Goddard. And, yes, the former UFC welterweight champion of the world, Matt Sarah, will be there also. And I'm looking forward to kicking it with that guy. He's a character, man. I love Matt (laughs) Sarah. He's great. And, uh,
1: Jerry, Matt Sarah, you would never know it. He's like the biggest geek in the world. He loves all the geeky stuff. He watches all the comic book shows. All the, you know, Star Wars, Mandalore. He does it all. Matt Seren, This The guy who beat GSP in, you know, one of the biggest fights in UFC history. He's, like, the biggest nerd in the world. It's great. Um, once again, tickets are available at the com. You can also get the stream at the com, And you can support the Schmodown on Patreon. And, guys, I'm going to tell you this. And Christian knows it. I'm not the biggest knowledgeable movie guy. I mean, I have Back to the Future, James Bond. Those are my realms. But... I was so into this thing for the real sport element because unlike wrestling, the outcomes are not predetermined. Whoever wins wins. Who's ever a champion is an earned champion. And I think eSports and wrestling, you know, and UFC, it's all kind of rolled into one. So I mean, y'all go check out the Schmodown if you've never seen it before. Guarantee a book T, when he when they, when the Schmodown came to Houston, was blown away by how into it he was. So definitely go check out the Schmodown Christian, I appreciate you taking the time to call in and uh, good luck on Saturday.
0: Thank you guys. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Look forward to hearing your show uh, this week. And also say hi to Book for me. I
1: right, will. That's Christian Harloff from the Movie Trivia Schmodown. Well, that was Christian Harloff, and you heard it. Uh, you heard it, Frank Janish. He said, "Dangerous Dan Merle is going to walk out the number one contender for the championships, which means we will see him versus Ben Bateman, uh, two faction mates going up against each other. If that prediction holds true. Now, here's the thing." Made a great point. He is the undertaker of the movie trivia showdown in the fact that he is undefeated at live events. But this one, I feel like he's fighting with one hand behind tied behind his back because you have Brendan Meyer, William beast Spiviani. They're not only a team, they're on the same faction. They have uh, you know, ul- ulterior motives maybe. maybe. Maybe they have a different motivation from Dan. It's kind of one of those things of when Stone Cold went up against... Uh, the Undertaker and Kane, it was like, hey, man, we don't care which one of us wins as long as he doesn't win. And I think that that might be part of the strategy going into Saturday in Brooklyn, New York. Frank, if you had to make a selection, if you had to make a pick, if you had to make a determination right now, you're selecting? William Bibiani.
2: Whoa! I am. I like his his chances in a triple threat format, much the way that he took on Ethan Irwin and John Rocha, that helped him. I think just having more people up there, so it's not so much everyone's just one night on you, blah, blah, blah. Um, and and he likes live events, Bibs. so I think he'll feel quite at home up there. I don't think any of that's going to bother him. But I think he is going to have a strong game. I think he's not going to have any bad luck on the wheel. I don't think Merle's going to have bad luck on the wheel either. I do think Brendan Meyer will have some bad luck on the wheel. And it'll become a two-horse race towards the end of that second round, I think. And third round is when uh, Bibbs will, will put it away, answering a five-pointer to win the game.
1: Oof, oof. Frank Janis, you've thought about this. It's come into your brain prior to just this moment. You've you've thought about it for a minute. I appreciate that. But let me tell you this, sucker. It's not going to be William Bibiani. Love to Bibbs. It's not going to be dangerous Dan Merle, the GOAT. Hmm. Sorry, GOAT. No boat. The boat isn't on. You're not on my boat for this one. I'm gonna go with the fine young Tinderoni. Or excuse me. The fine <laughs> young tinderoni Brendan the Kid Myers gonna go out there and he is going to win. He is one of the best players. Him and Janine are the two best players who have never won a championship in this league. And I think that he cashes it in. And I think Bibiani's like, look, man, I've had this title before. I anoint you finds uh, and Brendan (laughs) Meyer is going to go out there. Let me ask you a quick quick question. Do you think Merle puts Bond on the wheel? Mm. I think you think about it for sure. He's strategizing now and Ben Bateman who's actually on a plane to Houston, Texas as we speak is thinking about it as well. He's thinking about, hey man, how can Dan walk out of this thing? Because you know what? You know what? He would love the opportunity to beat Dan Merle That being Ben Bateman True He would love it Even though they're teammates They're faction mates
2: Cause he's he Think about legacy Love he's it a, He's all about He's on his Legacy, legacy tour Legacy <laughs> Legacy
1: Legacy You know what I mean And, and so we'll <laughs> yeah. see What uh, Ben the boss Bateman does But Frank Jash, I got a heart out I got to get out of here Any closing final thoughts Oh I mean And of course We're going to go Andrew Guy over yeah, Robert Yeah obviously, obviously.
2: Okay. Although it will be Stunning Devastating If Robert Meyer Burnett Wins uh.
1: It would be great
2: for bad reasons. It could be grounds to split up the family. I don't know. I'm just <laughs>
1: – it could well, be. Uh, if I was Drew McQueen, he'd be like, uh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> League office, are y'all open on Sundays? Right. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. All right. Yeah, there you go. There's the Kanye. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, for Frank James, nothing more? You don't have anything? That's anything it. More? That's it, man. For Frank Janish at FrankieJ29, go watch his Hot Wings Challenge no! on YouTube if you haven't already. <laughs> because I watched it. Frank, not only did I watch it and laugh, yeah. I rewatched it, and I sent it to my mother. Oh, I told my really? mom, "I'm like, you gotta watch this. This is oh, hilarious." I swear, I a was lot. taking pics. Oh yeah, you do. I was taking like a uh, 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 little video snips, sending them to Farah. I mean, it was phenomenal. The float loved it. The boat loved it. That's the mothership great. loved it. We all appreciated it. And guess what? I appreciate all of you. Go to bagfromthefuturebook.com, amazon.com, More preferably, because I want to be number one on that bestsellers list. I'm in the top ten, so I am a bestseller on Amazon, but I want to be number one. Then we what go to New, New York take Times to bestseller. Be number one. First yeah. Amazon, then the Times. <laughs> then the Times, brother. <laughs> so that's what we're looking out for. So uh, go support the man, my your man the boat. Support Frankie J twenty nine. I am at Brad Gilmore on all social media, and we'll see you next week on the schmo Down Run Now. (音楽) Thank you.